hello everyone. I want to say hi to our Providence Church family who's out there joining us in worship. A special hello also to many of you who may be joining us in worship for the first time. What a privilege. Thank you for letting us uh, you know, come into your living room this morning and worship with you or maybe in the minivan on the way home from the beach. I don't know. Uh, wherever you are, if it's your uh, lunch break at the office, it's just a, a privilege that we could join in worship together. We have this moment right now. You know, we have this moment that we're in right now in the crazy way that, you know, uh, the internet works. You may be watching this not exactly at a live moment, but the way that space and time works with God, I have this sincere belief that through the Spirit, we can be together in this moment, that it's, that it's a time that we can engage with God uh, and engage with each other. So I wanted to tell you my, uh, my Mount Juliet tornado story. A bunch of you here that live here, you have your story of where you were uh, in the middle of that night a couple of weeks ago, or maybe you were in East Nashville or Hermitage or, or Lebanon or even in Cookville. We have these stories of, of where we were. I was uh, awoken in the middle of the night by a barrage of texts. So I uh, woke up. I was actually in Orlando. I was in a rented house with a bunch of the guys from our staff team. We had gone to a conference in Orlando that I never ended up going to. And so I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had these texts that said stuff like this. Are you okay? I had one that said, Pastor Jacob, we love you. Are you safe? I'm in Orlando. And so I pick up my phone. I'm shaking the, the sleep away, and I see that I also have all these texts from the Mount Juliet uh, City text service that is telling me about the tornado. And so in that moment, I'm in Orlando. My wife is in Orlando. She's in a house, a few houses down with the women from our staff preparing to go to the conference. But my kids are in Mount Juliet. And my parents are in Mount Juliet. And you guys, my church family, are in Mount Juliet. And I was alone in the middle of the night, in the dark, and I felt totally out of control. You know, in that moment, before I found out that my kids and my parents and my in-laws and you guys were okay. In those moments between, there were like hours <laughs> that I had that sense of just being totally out of control. I've heard a lot of good Christian people say this week, I've even heard it coming out of my own mouth, so it's not a criticism. I've heard us say, as Christians, we are not to be afraid, right? And that's true. Jesus says, do not be afraid, which actually means we don't have to be afraid. So in the midst of the coronavirus and everything going on, I've heard people say, you know what? You don't have to be afraid. But what, what I'm saying to you right now is that in the middle of the night in that room in Orlando, I was afraid. And there was no uh, one person saying, do not be afraid. That would just take away my fears immediately. And so I had to do some things in the hours in between, in the hours in between knowing that my kids were okay and finding out that they are okay, in the moments in between not knowing if you were okay and finding out that you were okay, in the moments in between finding out Mount Juliet really wasn't okay. I found out all these things that weren't okay. What I had to do in those moments was remind myself of some things that I know to be true. And so that's what I want to do with you this morning. This waiting time, this in-between time that we're in, you know, with uh, coming through tornado recovery and the coronavirus and social distancing and all that, I think in the Bible, it, it would be described as a wilderness time. And wilderness is something we've talked about a lot here at, at Providence. So actually what I'm doing this morning, if you come to church here, you'll be hearing some things that you've heard before. Because to be honest, guys, I actually had to go back uh, just yesterday morning in writing the sermon and just go back some, to some things that I knew to be true. 
Just go back to, to find some things that we know to be true here that we can hold on to in this time. So in the wilderness, oftentimes you need to be reminded because you forget. Why do you forget? You're tired. You're hungry. You're worn out. You may even be thinking about giving up. And so you forget all these wonderful things that we know to be true. So if that's you today, wherever you're sitting, if today you're tired, if today you're afraid, if today you might be thinking about giving up, boy, do I have a great reminder for you. Here it is. It comes from Mark chapter 1. It says, at once the Spirit sent him. Him is Jesus. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Some of you are going to remember this verse. We looked at it last year and actually taught on it in a sense for about seven weeks. I'm intentionally using it again and some of the points because I want you to hear some things this morning and say, oh yeah, I remember that. So one of the things has to do with numbers. So numbers are used in the Bible just like we use them, to count and to date and to mark things. But a careful reading of the scriptures, you'll see that numbers are actually used in a way to show us a special meaning, that the numbers we have meaning. So the scripture we just looked at had a number in it. Did you notice it? The number is 40. So the number 40 is found 146 times in the Bible. It's a really significant number. Uh, you'll recognize some of the places. Noah was in the ark 40 days and 40 nights. Moses lived in Egypt 40 years. Then he went out into the desert for 40 years. And then they wandered, uh, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness 40 years. How many days was Moses up on Mount Sinai? I can hear you from your, from your house. 40 days, right? How many days did the spies spy out the promised land? 40 days. How many days did Jonah speak to Nineveh? 40 days. You get the point. God is trying to show us something in 40. All those examples I just gave were Old Testament examples. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and I actually had the opportunity in school to study under a great Hebrew scholar. Her name is Dr. Rebecca Wright. And there was this one time in class, in our Hebrew class, that somebody asked her, I remember saying, Dr. Wright, what's the deal with 40? Why this 40 over and over? And when they asked it, her eyes lit up, and this is, this is what she said. She said, 40 was actually not the Hebrew way of saying 40 days, though it's fine if it actually was 40 days. That's how a Hebrew scholar talks. You're like, huh, what? 40 days, she said, was a way for a great Hebrew storyteller to say a long time. Noah was on the ark 40 days and 40 nights. How long was Noah on the ark? A long time. Moses was in the desert 40 years. How long was he in the desert? A long time. Moses was up on that mountain. They were waiting for him. How long was he up on the mountain? 40 days, a long time. Dr. Wright said, every time you see the number 40, think this, a long time. So I'm going to suggest to you today that this time we're in that feels like wilderness with the tornado and the trauma and the coronavirus and social distancing and uncertainty, I'm going to suggest to you that I think it's going to be a 40-day period for us. And what I mean by that is it's going to be a long time. It already feels like it, doesn't it? And here we are in the season of Lent in the church. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a season that we wait in trying to get to Easter, longing to get to Easter. You know how long Lent is? 40 days, a long time. How long was Jesus in the wilderness? Let me show you the scripture again. It says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. I get the privilege to walk along life with a lot of people. It's a great honor. 
One of the things I've seen in my time as a pastor is I've actually seen marriages that seem beyond repair be restored. It's crazy. I've seen crazy restoration in some marriages that, that just looked like there was no chance. And then came this crazy forgiveness and crazy power from God and crazy restoration. I've seen people whose marriages were characterized by darkness and despair live into beautiful on the other side. And if I let you interview one of those couples and you ask them, hey, how long did it feel like you were in the wilderness? Without skipping a beat, every couple would say, oh, a long time. Some of y'all know that uh, anxiety has been a struggle for me for some time. It comes against me. I don't even recognize it at first. It seems like an old friend. And then as soon as I buddy up to it, I realize, oh, no, it's my old foe. It exhausts me. It makes me isolate. I stop talking to the people that I should definitely be talking to. I've done it so many times. And I find myself in this wilderness. No, 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 long, no matter how long it actually is, if you were to ask me, how long does it feel like you've been there, Jacob? I would say, it feels like a long time. But I've learned something in my 39 and three-quarter years. It's this. The people of God keep walking through the wilderness. They don't stop. Here's the deal. We can't meet together in this room together this morning. It stinks. We're actually better in this room together. But we're not going to stop and build our house here. This isn't going to be where we reside. We are going to keep walking. And that's what the people of God do in the wilderness. They don't lay a foundation. Instead, they pack up tents. And so they put the tent up, and in the morning, they pick up the tent, and they keep walking. How long are we going to do this, this online worship? I don't know. Even if it's a couple of weeks, it's going to feel like a long time. But here's what we'll do. We'll keep trudging along, reminding ourselves why we're doing it. We're seeking to love our neighbor. We're seeking to take care of the most vulnerable in our community. We're seeking to take care of the most uh, vulnerable in our church community. And here's what we'll do. We'll just keep on moving. Whatever you're in, like right now, whatever you're in, keep moving. Whatever you're in, keep going. That's what the people of God do in the wilderness. And so I'm asking you to pick up your tent for 40 days, for 40 days. Because there's something coming, and it's actually someone that's coming. There is someone more powerful coming. That line is uh, actually a line from the mouth of John the Baptist. If you were to go back to Mark chapter 1, right before Jesus goes into the wilderness, he's, he's baptized by John the Baptist, and John is saying this to the people that are coming to him. He's saying, there's someone more powerful coming. There's someone more powerful. They think John the Baptist is awesome, and he says, no, 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 there is someone more powerful coming. The tornado recovery is long and tedious. The adrenaline has worn off. Can you feel it? We need something to get us through. There is someone more powerful coming. This coronavirus thing, this is new for all of us. We need help. How long? You know, what's going on? There is someone more powerful coming. And so what we do is we put our faith not in our circumstances, but in the one who is coming, and his name is Jesus. And so we keep telling each other, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And that's how we walk. We walk by faith, not by fear. I said, yes, we will feel afraid. You may feel afraid right now, but here's the deal. We don't move by fear. So we don't, we don't get our action out of our fear. We move by faith. We take the next step by faith. Faith in the one who's coming to save us. There's a book of the Bible in the New Testament towards the end. It's called Hebrews, which is interesting, right? Because we learn all about the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. But there in the New Testament, it's this place, it's called Hebrews. And it tells us about all these Hebrew people who have walked through the wilderness before us. And here's how they walk, by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us the definition of faith. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for 
and assurance of what we do not see. I'll say that again. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Verse two that many people don't read says this, this is what the ancients were commended for. This is what they were remembered for. All these people, all these people whose names we know, I've listed some of them already, Jonah, Noah, Moses. We know their names because of their faith. And there's this line in Hebrews chapter 11. You should read it today. All throughout Hebrews chapter 11, there's this phrase. It's, it's this, by faith. It says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And it goes on. It says, by faith, Sarah, when she was an old lady, considered God to be faithful to the promise he made, the promises that she would have a baby, and she did. And then it's like, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Joseph, by faith, Moses, by faith, Rahab. It says all these people, look at it in Hebrews chapter 11. It says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They were all still living in the same way that we're called upon to live in this moment, by faith. By faith, they moved. By faith, they walked. By faith, they kept going when they didn't even know where they were going. We live and we move and we walk by faith. The wilderness teaches us about faith. This moment, this time that we're in, is how we're going to learn about faith. The wilderness is where we're taught what it means to be confident in what we hope for. Think about what you're hoping for. Be confident in it. It's where we get the assurance of what we do not see. Because here's the deal, guys. We are going to make it to the other side of this. We're going to make it to the other side of this coronavirus, crazy, weird time that we're in. And these moments are important because this is where we learn and are taught how to be people of faith. I think that we will feel afraid, some in the midst of it. And it's in those times that we'll be reminded, do not be afraid. You see, I don't think the Bible says do not be afraid over and over because the people of God should never be afraid. I think the Bible says do not be afraid over and over again because the people of God find themselves afraid. And so it's like, um, it's like a good God, a, a good father, a good Jesus comes to us in those moments and doesn't say like, how dare you be afraid? That's not something we do. No, he says, um, well, sort of like with your kids this week in a thunderstorm that's coming. What do you say to them? You say, I'm here with you. You don't promise to them that there's not going to be another storm that comes because there probably will be another storm that comes. But what you say to them is, you don't have to be afraid because I am here with you. And guys, we have a good God, a good Father, a good Jesus who's coming to us and saying, do not be afraid. He's saying it because he knows we're afraid. And he's hanging with us as we walk through the wilderness. The wilderness teaches us perseverance, something that a lot of us have lost or maybe never even been taught. The place that we are taught it is in moments and places like this. The great culmination of those Hebrew verses in, in chapter 11, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, it makes this turn in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the first verse. It says, therefore, we've talked about when there's a therefore, you say, what's the therefore, therefore? The therefore is pointing back to all the Hebrews who by faith, by faith, by faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles. It's simply saying, we are not the first ones to go through something hard. We're not the first ones to go through something like this. Hebrews chapter 11 shows us this great cloud of witnesses, so we keep on moving. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Hebrews chapter 11, we see the race that was marked out for them. What we're in right now is the race that's been marked out for us. And the way that we run it is worth with perseverance. There are going to be moments this week you're going to need perseverance. You're going to have to push through. You're going to have to be the one that says, no, guys, we're going to keep on going. We have what it takes to get through it. Jesus broke through the grave. That's what we're getting to at Easter. But he started his ministry in the wilderness where every day he just had to keep on moving. Listen to what Romans says in chapter five. It says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. I like the end part of that, the hope part. That's what I want. I'll maybe back up a little bit. You know, I like character, maybe perseverance, but it says what gives us all those things, what produces perseverance is suffering, the hard times, the times of trial. God says you'll go into the wilderness and you will experience suffering and you can glory in it. Isn't that weird? We can take glory in this moment because our suffering is going to produce perseverance. Our perseverance is going to build our character and the character will give us hope. We can actually glory in this time. We could be so full of joy right now. Christians can do something totally weird, which is have an inexpressible, unexplainable joy in the midst of craziness because we have the hope of Jesus in our hearts. Our children see us right now. They see the weight on our shoulders. They see the heaviness. They feel our stress, and that's okay. You know, be authentic. But what if they also were to see our faith? What if they were also to see our joy and think, why does grandma have so much joy right now? You could be teaching her. You could be teaching your grandchild what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the wilderness, somebody who holds on to faith, somebody who moves out of faith, not out of fear. We cling to a great hope, guys. It doesn't say that there won't be death and suffering. It actually says there will be, and in the midst of that, we have a greater hope, Jesus the Christ. So, all right, a few supernatural things for you. I've told you these things before about wilderness, but I felt like we should be reminded of them. There are some supernatural things that are happening in the midst of the wilderness that the people of God can be aware of. Here's a few of them. In the wilderness, you will be tempted by Satan. In the wilderness, you're more vulnerable to Satan. You're more susceptible to break. Why? You're hungry. You're tired. You have no toilet paper. You know, it's a weird time, right? You're, you're, you're vulnerable, you need to know this. If you're in the wilderness right now, I wish you were here to laugh. It's different with a quiet room. If you're in the wilderness right now, sometimes you don't laugh when you're here. If you're in the wilderness right now, if you've been there a long time, you're going to be tempted. And the way that we stave off temptation in the wilderness is the same way Jesus did. Go to the word of God. Read your Bible every day. I've heard so many of you, you know, you want to read your Bible. Like if you haven't started doing that, this would be the time. 
I'm going to start reading my Bible every... Some years from now, you'd say, I started reading my Bible every day in that coronavirus thing because I was being tempted in all kinds of ways. The Word of God is what we hold on to in, the, in these times. So really, do something intentional. You know, sign up for uh, an online devotional or sign up for a reading plan on, on the app. Keep the Word of God near to you. Satan is going to try to tempt you. And what Jesus did is he had the Scriptures in him so well, he just spoke the Word of God to the devil. It had a big effect. In the wilderness, the second thing is you will get to hang out with wild animals. I've told you this before. I know it sounds weird, and that's the point. It's sort of weird that we're told that Jesus hangs out with wild animals. I'm not going to tell you uh, right now how God shows, me, shows up to me in foxes. It's a long story. I'll tell you another time. I won't tell you how my wife believes that God speaks to us through a number. I don't have time. The number is 129. Just in case you ever see it, you can give us a call and let us know. She's a little kooky. But don't think for a minute that the wilderness is a tame place. What we're in right now, there's going to be things that happen that are different and feel uh, abnormal. I really don't know why the scripture says Jesus hung out with wild animals, but I can't leave it out. Here's the thing. You may start doing something right now that you've never done before. You might say, I never in the world thought that I would be on the floor in my bedroom praying. I never thought I'd be somebody like that who would just lay down on the floor, just lay down on the floor, so desperate for God. Well, those of us who've been through the wilderness, we're like, that makes perfect sense to us. Or you may say, I never in the world thought that I would just be speaking out loud into my car just talking to God, asking God for help, putting on the spiritual armor of God out loud out of my mouth. I never thought I'd be that kind of weird kind of thing. I'm just saying wild things happen in this time in the wilderness. There's supernatural stuff going on. Live into it, okay? There's supernatural going on. And here's just a third thing. In the wilderness, you will be attended by angels. In the wilderness, you're not alone. We are going to be tempted to believe one of the biggest lies that the devil tells us, and it's this. You're all by yourself. Some of you are going to be up in the middle of the night tonight, and you're going to think, I'm all alone. And that's not true. God is attending and tending to you. God is placing his angels around you. I want you to look for them. Look for the angels of God. I've seen them. This series we're in is called Beauty for Ashes. And I think we chose this series name, I think it was last summer. So I say that to say God has been preparing us for this time. God knew that we were going to be here and has everything we need for this time. And we, we believe by faith that God is going to bring beauty from ashes. So we got that line from Isaiah 61. There's a verse that says, we'll be given a crown of beauty for our ashes. And right after that, in verse 3 of Isaiah 61, it says this, they, that's us, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splinter. splendor. I'm going to read that again. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then Isaiah 61 closes with this verse, another kind of nature image here. It says, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. In this final part, I want to speak to the kids in the room, okay? Uh, the children who might be watching. They probably stopped watching somewhere <laughs> along the way. So go get them, okay? Grab them. Get, get them off the iPad or whatever. Get them, get them over here with me just for a second. I want to talk to the kids. You can pause it, whatever. I'm going to wait, okay? Okay. Children, kids, students. The Bible says that God is planting us to show other people how great he is. 
that, that we're actually being planted like an oak tree. You know, like when you see a beautiful flower and maybe you pick it for your mom and you go and show someone and you say, look how beautiful that is. That's what God is doing with us in this time. God is, is, is planting us in such a way that people will look at you and think that's so beautiful, that God will look at the Christians and say, that's so beautiful how they're caring for each other, how they love each other, how they're not being angry and ugly with each other. So I noticed something this week, kids. Look out the window right now. If you're somewhere by a window or when I'm done, go look. I noticed something this week. If you'll look out, the trees are starting to bloom. The dogwoods have these little white flowers on them. The oaks are beginning to sprout these little buds. Maybe the bushes in front of your house. You can go look in a minute. Go check it out. And here's what I want you to do. When you see those blooms this week, in our city where a tornado knocked a bunch down, in our world where people are staying away from each other because of this virus, I want you to point out to people and say, look, God is doing it again. He's doing it again. God's bringing beautiful things right in the midst of this time, this wilderness. Right now, God is still working, and so we're still believing by faith that God will get us through this. And here's the deal. We will be remembered in this time for our faith. When they look back on us and we're the ancients, the thing that they will see is that we operated by faith. We made it through the tornado. By faith, we worship together again on the other side of coronavirus. It will feel like a long time, but already God is coming to where we are. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for being present with us, even in this time that feels so strange and odd, a time that feels like the wilderness to us. Thank you for the promise of Jesus who is coming to where we are. And so we turn our attention to you now, God, this morning or wherever we are, what time it is as we're watching this worship service. We turn our attention to you and we ask for your help. You tell us in your word that you will be our ever-present help in times of trouble. And so, God, we feel like we're in trouble. We know that you're with us and we need your help. Come and work something beautiful out of us and through us again. And let people know us by your love and by our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Kermaine's gonna play for us a song about trust and trusting in Jesus. Uh, and then I'll come back up and give us just a, a short blessing before the, our time together is over.